0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Reflex Blue Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beery, recording from the On Brand Conference here in Omaha, Nebraska, which is a partnership between AAF, AIGA, AMA, PRSA, something else. And we have with us Nicole France from Capitol Records. Uh, it's like an indie label, right? Like, we have Saddle Creek in Omaha. I think they're like a direct competitor, yes. if I remember.
1: small, little small. And Nobody's heard of it.
0: No, no. And... and, and, and you guys are you guys are in, in also a, a small village in L.A. That's right. Is that the That's is right. it Los Angeles? Yes. Is that am I getting yes. that right? Yes,
1: yes. It's a little tiny town called Hollywood. Okay. How long?
0: How long? Now you've been there, is it the capital for Eight. since 2007. 11 years. Okay. And what what did you start? What when you when you started it there? What what did they bring you in as? As creative director.
1: Okay. Um, and it's been the same. It's just the department's grown and the role changes, but it's still the same job, more or less.
0: More or less. Other than, and I, I assume that an average day there is Snoop Dogg swings by, has coffee, <laughs> go to lunch with Katy Perry. <laughs>
1: it is much like that, yes. I do a lot of socializing with people, artists, you know, we hang out, we hang out on the roof and take Instagram photos together. It's a lot of that. It's also a lot of paperwork, nuts and bolts, and getting clearances on photos, and the more unglamorous side of the business. The
0: the, the, the rooftop uh, lunches are, are probably the highlight, I'm assuming. Uh,
1: I think the highlight for me is still seeing music both where it's made in the studio, and where it's performed live for fans. I think that after all these years, uh, it really never gets old to remember why we do what we do. And also driving to the office every day and seeing the Capitol Tower is something that never, I think every single person that works in that building, no matter how long they've worked in that building, will tell you that there's like a really special feeling that comes with that.
0: Now, Nicole, what did did you do before you were Capitol Records? Before Capitol, I was at Interscope for
1: several years, Interscope Records, for eight years. And prior to that, I did bunch of miscellaneous creative things. I was a stylist and I wrote press releases and I worked in an arts journal and I waitressed.
0: Right. Well the reason I asked is is because you're like senior vice president of creative services at Capitol Records, which which sounds big and impressive and and I'm sure it is. But what how do you get in when you were starting out did you say like I want to get into the music business I want to design for the music business or yeah. was it something that just happened yeah. like,
1: and to be clear I, I don't even design I hire the people who can do that I don't actually make anything so I talk about
0: album packaging and photo shoots neither of which I actually do well there's a lot of I mean the brunches and the rooftop exactly. events take Someone's a lot of time that. that's right yeah and, and we appreciate you, right. you doing that so others don't have that's to that's right
1: so I didn't even know that this was a job, did all those things that I mentioned, and I knew a visual artist who had this weird day job being a creative director at a record label. and. He was looking for an assistant, and I thought, I really liked his art. He did these really cool pencil sketches of rock stars, and I thought, that's someone I would love. And I came to work for him, and he left shortly thereafter, and that's how I ended up with his job. I feel really lucky just because I loved music. I worked in rock clubs. I went to go see bands almost every other night uh, in my younger days, never thought about working in the industry, ever. It never crossed my mind until I found this place where all of my interests really lined up and I could do it all and not really have to know about the music business. I just got to know about my part of it.
0: And and I assume that, that you almost... Most of the people, I assume, that work on your team and that work at Capitol Records, they, they love music, or they at least did when they started. But <laughs> it's something that, that you, I assume, that's all you work. It's like on. you
1: work in the music business. They do. I think that in order to enjoy the job for what it is now, which has certainly changed over the years, you have to be a music fan. It's a thrill ride. It is really a roller coaster. And if you don't love what we are Working in every day and immersing ourselves in, there's almost there's a million other jobs you could have that would probably make you happier.
0: <laughs> I could I could see that. What's the biggest change you've seen in the industry? Uh,
1: so many, so many changes. Yeah. One of the
0: most interesting. Like like, were you around when iTunes just destroyed the CDs? Like when, I you, when you started, around. was it still uh, CD-centric?
1: When I was when I started. Yes, it was CD-centric. And I remember the moment we were like, have you seen this thing called Napster? Every song. You can listen to any song you want. And how that changed things. And then the pendulum swung far that way and then back the other way. And how piracy dominated the conversation. And then streaming has dominated the conversation. It's pretty remarkable to see so many changes in such a short amount of time. But I think one of the most interesting things for me is... The fact that uh, it used to be that musicians were artists and they are, but now they're business people and they know their business and their brand so well and they're their own best spokespeople in that space. So it's fascinating to see how artists have really evolved as business people and really CEOs of their own career and I think that that's been an amazing change.
0: Yeah, because Snoop, Snoop uh, and it's Snoop's on your label, right? He was. He yeah. was, okay. Because he's, he's got other other businesses he's rolling out now. I mean, like everybody
1: Mad. does. I think that's another interesting thing about the time that we're in. You know, we all used to have to be, and we talk about this a lot, when I was coming up, you were good at one thing. You had to be good at your one thing. And if you did other things, no one took you seriously. But now I think it's the opposite, where you need to be good at all the things that you're interested in. And that creates your unique lane and artists are no different. I have artists who have hands in a million different areas and they're really good at many, many of them and I think that's what makes them unique and gives them such an interesting cultural perspective because they really are making culture more than they're just making music and we finally have yeah. like caught up to that idea and so
0: artists are really incredible
1: creators.
0: It's weird, because when you think back on, like, years in the past, music's always in there, and, and, and when you talk about any sort of culture, it's always also like what was happening in the in the music world. So these things do stick, some of these things that, that are created now, we'll think about in 30, 40 years, where some of the other stuff we design, I mean, it disappears in a week.
1: I think that that is really the, the magic of music and why I keep coming back to it, you know, not that I've ever left, but why I keep being inspired by it is because it forges an emotional connection and I can see it in real time. I go to a concert. We have this amazing boy band called Five Sauce, Five Seconds of Summer, and I went to the show and I sat in front of these two, like, 14-year-old girls who were literally having the night of their life, and they grabbed one another and they hugged and they danced and they cried and they screamed and they sang every word to every song and I watched them I didn't watch the show at all I just watched them because that moment in time is forever in their minds and shapes who they become and shapes the music that they listen to and and they'll keep coming back to that as they evolve and grow and get older and it will stand out to them that night and it stands out to me still watching people have that night
0: we just took my five year old to her first concert a few months ago. We took her to Willie Nelson, mm-hmm. which we thought would be good. My first concert was Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> he came through Grand Island, Super Nebraska. Strong. Yeah, when, when I was in, in grade school. Who, do you remember your first show? I do, sort of.
1: My family used to take me every year to the rodeo. I grew up in Texas, and we would go to the Houston rodeo. And it drew national acts. I saw the Jackson 5. I saw Mac Davis and Crystal Gale and Loretta Lynn and so many other people. And I think that that really connected me to music from an early age. And we would go to two shows while they were there. So I got to see at least two concerts every year. That was my favorite part of the whole thing. And I think that it planted a seed in me
0: then that just carried on. Well, we're going to be right back with uh, with Nicole France. So I'm picturing Capitol Records, the workday, in between the mimosas with Snoop Dogg, and the and the you know afternoon hanging out with Katy Perry on the rooftop. You have you have what would be considered a, a job job of some sort, but. And I'm, I'm expecting nothing but like excitement. Like it's it's got to be like when you get there, excitement. nonstop. It. No boring projects. There's no production work, obviously. No. It's just no. you know four albums a day. But but what what are the exciting? So given that, like since everything's super exciting, mm-hmm. what How actually then stands out right. as an exciting project.
1: I am really lucky to have the freedom to do some special, some interesting special projects. And I also still enjoy brand-new artists. I think that the people that you've never heard of, being able to help them articulate who they are visually is really the most amazing part of my job. So I still really get excited every time a new artist walks in my door and doesn't really know what they want because I consider what we do sort of like a visual archaeology of dusting off of little areas to uncover something, and it's really probably the most fun part of my job. But I also get to do really fun things like um, help build the merch line for Capital. So just the t-shirts and the identity stuff. We we have a, a site that you know just has our branded merch, and it's been really fun to help make things for fans of the brand. We've made, you know, a Christmas sweater that's super fun to design, which I've never I've never done anything like that and that's been really a, a big source of uh, fun design work for for me and my team. And also learning. Like it's been a great place to challenge ourselves and to learn more and I think that all too often we get caught up in what we know and just doing the same thing. It's really fun to venture out to what we don't know. Right now, I'm super into K pop, which is not something that, that we have right now, but it's just something that allows me to be a pure fan. Yeah. And, and what's, what's K pop? It's Korean pop, is what it is. Oh, stands Korean pop, for. okay. But it is really a super fun, visual, dynamic genre that has just sort of been yeah. bubbling up in places in the States, and it's finally getting sort of a groundswell of, of fans behind it, and it's really fun to watch it grow and to see it, you know, I was part of the Latin explosion, like, I worked on the gay places, and obviously, I grew up in a time when, like, Menudo was around, and watching that, the way a boy band changed a genre of music, and made it, like, opened it up for... A whole mass market,
0: and they're still around, I believe, as a band. But you I know, think they—I think they rotate members. They so might. Well, that was around.
1: definitely their, how they started. Was, yeah. You know, with this rotation, and it obviously gave us Ricky Martin and and um, so much great stuff. But it's been fascinating to watch sort of a new genre of music capture American
0: imagination. Was there any one artist that you were really excited to work on, like, over your career? Like, who is the one where you were like, wow, I can't believe I'm working on this project?
1: I mean, I feel that way about a lot of projects. I...
0: Yes, I got to work with Annie Lennox, and that was really, really incredible. I'm
1: not normally intimidated by people or that nervous about working with artists and I was really nervous to work with her (laughs) because she's so just powerful and, and you know really dynamic and she was incredible to work with and it really was a highlight of my career but I've had so many amazing moments and it's hard to pick out one and I really get something out of working with almost every single artist that I've been lucky enough to work with. But Annie was pretty special, and she's a really incredible woman, so that was a really rewarding project.
0: And I could tell, what What did you do with with Annie Lennox?
1: Um, she put out a beautiful, beautiful record on Blue Note a couple years ago, um, and I had this terrible amnesia for album titles, and so (laughs) it should be on the tip of my tongue. and I can tell you what the picture looked like, it was beautiful, and it had like the most incredible, it was standards that she had recorded in a really spare and beautiful way, and like, Strange Fruit, and you know, these like, classic songs from like the 20s and 30s, and it was really incredible, it was an incredible record, and I got to create a it with her, so.
0: Oh, that would be, I mean, yeah, that's that'd be fantastic, because and it's probably not one that you even saw coming until exactly. the week before. And they're like, Annie's gonna be in your office, and you're like, What?
1: Yes. That's exactly what happened. Yes. Yeah. I think it was two days before. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh clear schedule, I yes, suppose. Exactly. I suppose. Exactly.
0: Now now you're here, we're at the on-brand conference, and you're you're the you're the closing keynote, I believe. And I mean it, it, this is a one-day conference, but mm-hmm. this is great. It's the first time, so mm-hmm. so what what's your top on?
1: I give. I delivered this talk in New Orleans a couple years ago, and it is my super meta talk about my fear of public speaking. So it's sort of about fear. Well, there's general. only like
0: thirty thousand people at this. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's they they, they did yeah. they did break yeah. what they assumed for attendance. Like <laughs> like this is this is great. I think they've got close to four hundred people Don't, here, tell so that that's good. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. But it's but I mean it's still a, it's still an Omaha mm-hmm. conference. It's not like mm-hmm. there's not thousand. Yeah. There's there's less than. One. Well,
1: the good news is I get freaked out by public speaking in small rooms and large rooms. So. Okay doesn't really matter. It could be 10 people and I would still feel just as nervous. Well, I mean,
0: we have 10 people walking by because we're in a hallway. Yeah, so. I'm not looking
1: at any of them. If yeah, you can tell.
0: I think they're just like, why are these people just sitting yeah. in the hallway by the, by the entrance?
1: Yeah. So I hope I don't disappoint anybody. It's, it's not, it's interesting to me. It's, uh, therapeutic to me maybe, but I hope that it helps one person get something out of their way.
0: And, and what is it that... Like, like, give us one of the tips that you're going to tell. Me. This thing's going on after the event. You're not giving anything right No spoilers. Yeah,
1: I really do think, and the work that I do with our artists is very similar, where I try to help them craft their visual strategy for a campaign, but also articulate who they are, and we talk about their long-term goals, and we really try to set them on a visual path so that they can achieve some of their creative goals. Because it's often, as we discussed, it's not just about music anymore. It's about all these different things. So I really try to help them map that. And I think that it's the same for people. If, if, if we can map goals and get the things, the obstacles out of our way, I think that that's when all the growth and challenge and sticking points that keep us from doing things get out of our way and we can actually create and make great things and really make a difference. And I, I, I've i seen my career change. I've seen other people's careers change when they've been able to get out of their own way. And so that's my goal to help people do that.
0: Hey, and, and what's the, what's one of the advice things you say of how to, get, how to do this?
1: I think one of the things that helped me was Telling someone that I had this issue, that I couldn't speak in public. Recognizing how it impacted me. Telling someone about it and getting someone to help me with it. So I discovered that there's people (laughs) that will help you do things that you can't do. And investing in myself in that way and deciding that I could continue to hide from this or I could move past it. So getting a professional to help me move past it was really, really valuable. Okay, well that's,
0: well that's great advice. We're going to be back with uh, one last sex, uh, segment um. with Nicole Franz. So, so Nicole, how big how big is the team? Like Capitol Records is, it's probably bigger than the Saddle Creek record label that's here in Omaha, which which does great. Yeah. But I mean, but I mean they, I think it's a smaller team. Like I believe there's two designers there. That, you know, I think I've met one of them multiple times. The other mm-hmm. one, the other one seems to be more reclusive or, or seems to avoid me. Yeah. Without even, I don't think I've ever met the other one. But how big? How big is the capital team? And, or are they like so spread out you don't you couldn't give me a count?
1: No, I think definitely. I mean, there's I can't give you a headcount for our total employees, but my team is two designers another creative director, and a coordinator, and everyone has some overlapping duties. We have an illustrator, one's an illustrator, two are photographers, so everyone's kind of got a different group of skills that makes them really valuable to the team. And they see everything through from beginning to end and they're just as emotionally invested in our artists as I am, which is amazing. So
0: do they get in trouble when, when they're working on a project and they bring in like some, uh, some artists some artist from like RCA, maybe they play some Elvis and you're like, that is not under our label. Is that like frowned upon or No, no. Okay.
1: We I mean we're fans of music and so I think the more people do in that space, the better. And I would rather than be fans of anybody's music than, you know, There's no uh, there's no mandate
0: that it has to be one of ours.
1: Although we have so many amazing ones, I don't know how they find the time. Yeah, how
0: many explore. how many artists are there under the under the label?
1: I I have no idea. There's a lot of people. We have a lot of labels and a lot of artists.
0: How many, how many, how many major labels are there, like, the, in, in the industry? Because, because you guys, half of the labels that we hear about are owned by the other labels. Mm-hmm. Like, it's true. like, like, what are the major labels Capital
1: We have. This is always hard for me. We have Motown. Okay. Capital Virgin Blue Note Astroworks, Priority. Harvest Records, uh, Caroline Distribution.
0: Okay, I'll just And, and I think I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a hundred vanity labels where an artist. There, also there are has like little well. what we call JV deals, which are you know uh,
1: labels that are released
0: through Capital. Okay, and so so with this much creativity, and, and and part of part of the thing with music is that it's always supposed to be creative, I assume. It's supposed to breed these things. You're dealing with artists. How do you keep your team fresh or, or, or to think that not to get in a rut? Because it's like there's so much that if, if you're supposed to be a thought leader in a way, how do you continue to be a thought leader in an industry where everyone else wants to do it as well?
1: I, we talk about this a lot because I, I know that it can get exhausting to just reformat banners. It's all JPEGs now. The whole industry is just JPEGs. Yeah. yeah. And thumbnails. You know? No, no,
0: no. Out, vinyl's back, so, yeah. so you actually get to do more than just, just thumbnails. True. Yeah.
1: It's true. Uh, so it's, it's something we talk about a lot, and we actually, we've done creative retreats, we do field trips to just look at art in a really pure way and to talk about it, because I think it's really important to remember that they 're artists as well, and they have creative output needs, and they need to stay inspired and I think it 's something that we don 't give ourselves enough time to do on a in a daily routine kind of way, so I try to encourage a lot of sharing of things that excite us and it 's really inspiring when other people can ignite you with their passion and so we do a lot of talking about that and, and really trying to to find the purest way to enjoy art.
0: No, that's that's fair, and and I know, and I know sometimes with deadlines, it's not the easiest. So, what do you do to to keep people fresh when you also have to say, well, we also have to meet deadlines, like four of them this week?
1: I mean, that's that's always the juggling act for people, and I'm no better at keeping deadlines than any other creative, probably. I just as hard of a time as that so I think it's a constant check in with everyone making sure that we're on track and and that we kind of keep to some sort of schedule because if we didn't it would be chaos
0: (laughs) well Nicole I, I really appreciate your time I hope I didn't interrupt too many of the rooftop mimosas you guys are doing right before the talk. It's, I mean, we, we do still have rooftops here at the Embassy Suites, uh, La Vista convention center near Omaha. Maybe maybe we don't have the skyline you guys view. but I'm excited to check it out. Okay. All right. Well, thank you much, and hopefully we'll catch up with you some other day. Thanks so much. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Miri is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dust Lab. Find out more at myspace.com slash dustlab.